All right. So um, what a great weekend it's been so far. Right? Yesterday was just unreal. It was, what, a couple inches of snow. I think it snowed more down our way <clears throat> a little bit. But then uh, then Devin told me he's riding his bicycle in the afternoon. So it's like, what's up with that? <laughs> it's crazy. And, you know, I was very encouraged with the, the campus swap. It's uh, In my previous life, days past, I used to go on a lot of university campuses. So I've been to Bunker Hill. <laughs> I've been to University of U-Hart. And... Uh, I'm just so excited that there's a great light at those campuses, as well as at our campuses at UVM and, and Champlain and St. Mike's, that God is really doing something that is way more than we could imagine. Just incredible. So thank you guys uh, for sharing your heart and your zeal uh, with us uh, this whole week. And again, like I was trying to pitch you, you're certainly welcome to move here anytime. You know, we'll, we'll take any, we'll take you, you know, after college, transfer, whatever, we're good. No pressure. But today I want to, I want to continue on our, our theme of connected in Christ. And I want to talk about, I want the connection part with Christ. And so today I'm, my title is Come Follow Me. Amen. So really looking at the words of Jesus to come follow Him. So if you think about it, you know, uh, have you ever come to a, a, what I would call a crossroads decision? You, you know, so in hiking, you know, having hiked a little bit with Ryan, he likes to do these, Mongo loop trails, right, that are, he was showing me one that was something like 20 miles, which means that, you know, up until, you don't really have any bailout. You basically have to go 20 miles. You know, at 10 miles, you still have 10 miles left. And it's like, okay, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but, you know, um, but, you know, as long as it's reasonable, and they're just never reasonable, right? <laughs> you, you know, or when you sell your house, like, you know, might be, some might be able to relate to that recently. You sell your house, and the, uh, the the exchange of papers, it's called a closing. It means you never get to go back. The door is closed, and you cannot go back to that house. <clears throat> you know, they take your keys. <clears throat> they take everything. It's all done, right? <clears throat> well, you know, and you know, or when a child is born, right? So seems relevant too. When it, when the, when the baby is delivered, there's no no going back to being pregnant. Like, you can't go, oh, yeah, we're not really right ready for this baby. Let's put it back in there for another couple of weeks. Um, now, that, that, you know, you know that, that's that's just like a closing, you know. So we have, you know, Baylor Rain, right, is our newest uh, newest young one there. And uh, so exciting. That's great, too. And, you know, and um, that type of decision. Oh, I have the button. Well, oh, I guess I can push it, huh? So this reminded me of a point of no return. So if you you can see it, I, I think that's bungee jumping. I've never done it, but uh, you can see that that this guy is out there. He's tied in, and he can't come back. <laughs> you know, th- if this was his first time, you know he, he's now a bungee jumper. You know, yay or nay. You know, fail or, or go forward, right? Um, you know, and there's other decisions. Like I thought of that too. Is you know, marriage is that type of decision. So I had to throw in the obligatory marriage picture here of, of my beautiful bride. <laughs> and you know, you can have a lot more sympathy for her that she was beautiful and I was a doofus. You know? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> there it is. You know, so um, but you know, she committed. To me, an exclusive relationship, <laughs> forsaking all others. So, you know, good thing, you know, because, you know, I certainly made out much better in the deal uh, than she did. <laughs> you know, I decided to leave all others behind. 
you know, in Jesus, you know, in his ministry, he was, you know, in Luke, early in Luke, he was preaching the good news to a bunch of people who would eventually become some of his apostles, his, you know, his uh, <clears throat> tight followers. And, you know, Simon Peter was out with him and had heard him speaking. And, you know, he, you know, he'd actually even been to Simon's house, you know, even before he called him to be an apostle, he healed his mother-in-law, you know, <clears throat> got her, you know, on the, off the unhealthy track back into the, you know, helping out around the house track. And so Jesus was really in there tight, you know, but Jesus, they went up one morning to find him because he wasn't, Jesus wasn't around. And, uh, this verse here in, in Luke 4, um, and then one following, it just says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because this, that is why I was sent. <clears throat> so even before he called, uh, Simon Peter to be a, a, a disciple, an apostle, uh, he, um, he was telling him already, this, this is what our mission's about. And then as you read there a little further, you know, uh, Simon had had a rough night. You know, it was, um, you know, he'd been out fishing and they got nothing. You know, I hear that happens when you go fishing sometimes. Happens to me a lot. That's why I don't go fishing ever. <coughs> you know, I'm the guy that pays for the deep sea trip and helps everybody else pay for their fish, you know, because I didn't get any. <laughs> um, but, you know, but that night uh, they had a, a record catch. You know, if there was such a thing in those days... It would have been in the Guinness Book of World Records. They nearly sunk the boats, you know, and so they're coming in. And, and so Simon's not oblivious to what Jesus is all about. You know, so Simon Peter saw this, the scripture says in Luke 5. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. <clears throat> you know, Jesus's mission was to preach the good news of the kingdom. <clears throat> that's he said, that's why I'm, I have been sent. So when he sits down with Simon and says, you know, come follow me. You know, from now on, you'll catch men. I think he already knew what he was being asked to do. You know, he was being asked to join in on this mission of going out and preaching about the kingdom of God. And you think probably the hardest day in a fisherman's life uh, to make a decision to quit fishing for fish uh, was the day that he had filled the boats to overflowing. He's like, you know, really, Jesus, can we just maybe let's work out a deal here. We'll work out of the Sea of Galilee here. You know, you'll help us keep fishing and we'll also preach the good news. But no, he really said he decided at that point uh, that he would uh, leave everything and would follow him. You know, Simon made that decision, too, without knowing in advance some of the, uh, I think, more challenging parts of the deal. Like, I don't think he really realized that Jesus was going to get crucified or, you know, ultimately that he was going to get crucified. Right. That wasn't really crossing his mind. He just saw... You know, here is here is one that I'm certain is the savior of the world. <clears throat> I think I'll follow him. You know, it's you know, being a Jew when you decided to claim you know, to accept Jesus as the Messiah, you gave up being a Jew. <clears throat> you gave up, you know, uh, what Lindsay was sharing about. You gave up your family, <clears throat> your business structure. Everything was was given up. You made a decision to do that. You know, I remember making that same decision. <clears throat> I remember it very clearly. It was 1983, believe it or not. It was September 25th. It was a Sunday evening. And that's when 
I made my decision that I was going to follow Jesus. And uh, I was going to leave everything behind. <clears throat> but you know, like many of you, I had to make the same decision again this morning. <clears throat> that I was going to follow Jesus today. Right. And so it's it's not been a one one time thing. It's been an ongoing thing. And it's been a continuous decision uh, for that. Um, you know, it, wait, sorry. That's what happens when you do your do your scriptures the first thing in the morning. All right, we'll go back to that one. Um, you know, Jesus, in John 14, in verse 6, he says, uh, Jesus answered them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You know, in, in John, in John uh, 14 there, Thomas has come to him with a little bit of a concern about his ability to follow Jesus. You know, it, it, this is not the Thomas who missed out on the resurrection, you know, visit and was doubting. This was Thomas who was doubting before the resurrection. Right. And he says, well, if we don't know where you are going, how are we going to follow you? And, uh, and so he was, he said, you know, and, you know, you, you, you have heard me and I am the one that speaks for the father. I am the way, the truth and the life. You know, think about that for a minute. You know, no one gets to make it to the Father without going through Jesus. He's just the only way. He's the only way to get there. You know, it's when you come to that, you know, you come to the understanding, there's just really no other way than following Jesus. You know, we used to talk about that, you know, in, in the old days, back in Pat's days. Um, we used to talk about the, the do anything, go anywhere, give up everything attitude. You know, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to go anywhere. I'm willing to give up everything. Uh, another version of that was the, uh, I recall that it was the two suitcase challenge. My wife said, no, it's the one suitcase one challenge. Suitcase. One. <laughs> one suitcase challenge. Um, you know, when I moved to Vermont, it was the two moving truck challenge. <laughs> but the same heart behind it. They will fill the trucks up and we'll go wherever we need to go. Right. <laughs> you know, it's. I just remember being, you know, when, before I was a Christian, I remember going to church and listening to them read from the Gospels. And I, I've shared this before, but it just stood out to me as I heard it. I'm like, wow, that, that's amazing, you know. But, you know, people can't do that. People won't do that. People don't live that way. And then like Lindsay was sharing, I went into a Bible talk, into a church, and I saw people that were, that were doing that. <clears throat> they were living that way. And I went, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. This is what I want to be part of. You know, that's how I want to live my life. You know, and that's when I became a Christian after seeing that. And I went over to Germany um, where I was stationed in the military. And the first small church that I, I, I went to, they, they had a plan. They were going to save all their money for a year, hire an intern to come over and evangelize in their neighborhoods. And so I, I being, you know, a Christian for six weeks with my immense maturity, I say, well, why couldn't we do that? How hard is that? You know, we'll just go out and invite people in our neighborhoods. Um, I ended, we ended up being in a different church, um, a different group. Uh, and we went to them and said, yeah, we think we'd like to, you know, evangelize our area. I live in this big high rise, 13, 14 stories high. And across the street was another one, all English speaking 
GIs um, in Germany, right, where we live. It's perfect, you know, for me because I was an English-speaking GI, you know. It's like these are my peoples, right? <coughs> and so we, we asked, and, and people said, well, you know, that's good for you guys to do. We don't really want to do that. You can do it. but And we said, okay, we'll do it. And we got a few other single guys, single brothers, and we uh, we start we door knocked all those hundreds of apartments, you know. And over the course of time, had had one person baptized out of that, cool. you know, with uh, just that Simon Peter sort of, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I don't know where this is. I don't know where we're going. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and do it. And then you know, fortunately, God brought us back to uh, to uh, New England, where there are more. English-speaking people, so I didn't run out of people to talk to. <clears throat> but, you know, just even in that, going out there and trying to be, uh, you know, be that spokesman for Jesus gets you in weird, you know, I could tell you a hundred funny stories about it. <clears throat> One that struck me is I, I had just started working at a new new business. Thank you. And, uh, and I was the new guy in the team. And I think the week before we'd had some kind of conference downtown and so I parked my car there and somebody had put tracks on the car, right? <clears throat> some, you know, the world is blowing up or, you know, whatever, you know, be saved. And, <clears throat> and so it was, it was, I just saw that. I, I didn't want to litter. So I just threw the, threw it in the back seat, you know, you know, so I threw it in the back seat. And so like the next Monday or Tuesday, a bunch of us from work went out, you know, to go out for lunch and we stopped at ATM because there was no, I mean, I don't think you could use debit cards back then. I don't know. <clears throat> but I got some money. And apparently while I was in the car, the rest of my team, four other folks, had found this thing. Oh, my goodness. Look at Peter. He's like crazy. <clears throat> and so, you know, in the next couple of days, I was trying to invite one of my <clears throat> one of my mates. Well, why don't you, you know, come out to church with me or something? And he's like, no. Like, he wouldn't even talk to me. <clears throat> and so I finally had to pull him aside. I said, you know, Dan, it's just really odd. You know, when I mentioned this to you, just act really weird. Like, I just had to say, what's up with the really weird stuff? And he said, well, I, we, we read that brochure in your car. I'm like, what brochure? It wasn't even my brochure, you know. So I was, uh, you know. And Dan ended up coming after some stuff. He didn't become a Christian, but, but you know, we were able to work through that, you know, you know, getting that label that was, you know, above and beyond, you know, what. In a similar time there in the same company, I was an instructor for a couple of years, and I had students that would come in um, for two, three weeks at a time. And so to me, that's, you know, you're at work trying to share your faith, but not, you know, not get fired. Um, and so somehow we managed to have a good enough conversation that he agreed to study the Bible. And so he, he you know, came out. We studied the Bible with him all the way up to the point of making a decision. And he decided not to. And fortunately, I didn't get fired. But, uh, but you know, when I think about that today, that, you know, it wasn't really, it wasn't crossing my mind that that was a problem. I really was just going to go out and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, I really want to do whatever it takes to get that message out. And um, and then you get to a point, my, so my first point is, take up my cross daily, follow Jesus to the cross. Let's see if I can. Okay. Then he said to them all, this is in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me <clears throat> whoever wants to save his life will lose it whoever loses his life for me will save it what good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self if anyone's ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and of the holy angels you know sometimes we talk about this idea of we have a cross to carry 
uh, sometimes you would, people invert that. Well, this is my cross to carry. <clears throat> and sometimes it's, you know, it's diseases, it's hardships, it's life challenges. You know, those things we don't choose. You know, Mike and I were talking about, you know, if, you know, sometimes you have kids and you don't know that they're going to be twins or triplets, right? God chooses you. <clears throat> not, not, not making any announcement here of any kind, either myself or Mike. <clears throat> but, you know, but, but the cross, <clears throat> the cross is something that Jesus calls us to choose. This hardship is something we choose to do. You know, we choose it because, you know, it's not like your young child getting cancer. You didn't choose that. We ch- I chose to carry my cross. I chose to uh, participate in, in the sufferings of Jesus. Right. You know, I chose, I chose to have the opportunity to deny myself every day. I chose the opportunity to follow Jesus. You know, I chose the ability... Uh, to either choose between, you know, gaining the whole world or, and that equals losing myself. I chose that I, I can be ashamed of him. And I just know if I choose that, he'll be ashamed of me. You know, it's, um, you know, and I'm concerned sometimes when I hear it because we can get pretty excited about how bad the world is, right? Trump, uh, Trump, well, I think politics, I say Trump, you know, it's crazy, right? <clears throat> But, you know, politics can really get us wrapped up around the axle. You know, it's, um, you know, we can get wrapped up around how people just really aren't, you know, accepting me for what I am. You know, hey, I, I can have brochures in my car. You don't have to get mad at me for that. Um, you know, when we can forget that really the whole reason we have those relationships with people is to get them to find Jesus. We are an instrument there. We're the ones that, you know, like, like Simon Peter, we knew Jesus was calling for people, to, for people to advance the kingdom, preach the good news about an eternal kingdom, and we signed on for it. You know, there was a, there was a theologian around World War II named uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I had a conversation with Carl. Carl knows way more about Bonhoeffer than I do, so I should have talked to him. I could have given a much better background than I will. But uh, Bonhoeffer ended up dying... Um, because he participated in the attempt to assassinate Hitler, and he really struggled with that. He was a he was a theologian, formerly a Lutheran theologian, <clears throat> but um, you know he decided that was the right thing to do, and it failed, of course. And he ultimately was executed by Hitler before Germany fell. <clears throat> but what Bonhoeffer said, he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's tough, you know. <clears throat> this is heavy stuff. I'm. I, uh, I'm not trying to get you down. I will bring you back up. So let's be encouraged here. <laughs> you know, and, and so it, it made me think about this. And so I, I jotted down some things that answered my own answers to what have I been doing to save my own life. And so I, I'll throw them up here. And, uh, you know, these are mine. They may not be yours. Did I get the right list? It basically matches my list here. Um you know, avoiding, it's easy, it's easy to say, oh man, I don't know if I want to suffer that hardship anymore. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I could do this to not have to sacrifice quite so much, you know. Um, you know, and it's not bad. I, there's things that I like, I enjoy, right? Nothing wrong with those, but I, I can prioritize those. Sometimes I say, well, you know, my enjoyment is pretty important. These other things, less important, right? Um, you know, prioritizing my own pleasure, things that I enjoy doing, you know, Seeking my own gain in a relationship, you know, let's just structure this so that it's best for me. Um, you know, seeking my own kingdom, you know, my own righteousness, <clears throat> having things to be the way that I want them to be. 
You know, even being spiritual, praying for things that benefit me. God, do this. God, do that. God, do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that anything these are necessarily wrong, but they are for me when I start preserving my own life and avoiding the life that Jesus is calling me to have. Right. You know, and then I ask my question, well, how will I lose my life for Jesus and the gospel? It is what the scripture said, right? It said, uh, let's go back there. It said, um, what good is it for a man who, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Right. So I have to figure out, for me personally, what do I have to do to lose my life? That's how I get connected with Jesus. You know, not by gains, you know, improving my life, but by losing it. Crazy thought, huh? You know, so I think I have a listener too. You know, so you know, dedicating my time just to worship, to holiness. You know, that includes, you know, just being in the scriptures, praying, giving. You know, dedicating my time to share my faith, serve the lost, help the poor. You know, putting others' needs ahead of my own, whether it's how I spend my money how I use my copious free time, since I have very little free time these days. <clears throat> but, um, you know, those the, my time, my energy, and I, I never thought I'd say that, but as I get a little older, you know, I'm almost Pat's age. I'm beyond it. <clears throat> I am beyond it, you know, just to clarify there. Um, I, I need more sleep. I have less energy than I used to have. Um, and so I have to prioritize those things and, and use them, you know, effectively. Even I got to thinking about Romans 14, and uh, that, that's the, they're about things that are, are um, you know, matters of opinion. And so in Romans 14, it does make fun of people that eat only vegetables, and that, that's what I do. So um, it doesn't make fun of it. But it basically says that our attitude ought to be that whatever it takes to help our brother and sister do better spiritually, that's what we ought to do. Mm-hmm. We should be willing to give up things that really actually are our rights. You know, it was their right to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but they chose... And they said, in those situations where it hurts my brother or sister, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. I take that to mean, well, there's things that I, I really are my right to do, but I even need to be willing to sacrifice those in putting Jesus first. Yeah, yeah. Um, a little aside here, this is just a 1B uh, in this scripture. It says, large crowds are traveling with Jesus, and turning to him, they, uh, then he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> this hate, you, know, you may have already studied up on this word, but and we teach people it means love less. Well, it means love extremely less. <clears throat> it means, you know, here's, this is, the things I hate, they're not even in this building, they're out in the parking lot, right? <clears throat> you know? If you're typing them, you scroll way down because they're you know on the next you know, next several pages down. And for me, that's the okay. I'm supposed to things that are even good, you know, my wife, my kids, my brothers, my sisters, my own life. Those things, by comparison with my following of Jesus, are not even on the page. They're off the page. So having that perspective is like, oh my goodness, that's stunning. Um, yeah, so that was a side point. Point number two. Um, and the last point before we close out is uh, one message, two responses. So here in First Corinthians, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us uh, who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. 
I like that last phrase as a scientist because I think <clears throat> God's messing with people that are smart. He actually puts things out there in the evidence record to mess with them. And I think, wow, that's cool. That's really cool. But, you know, it's to some people, our message, Jesus' message, is foolish. And other people who are being saved, it's the power of God. The very things that you think are super important in your spiritual walk, other people who are not walking, not walking the line, not following Jesus, they think it's just plain foolish. It's crazy. You know, have you ever been ridiculed for believing in God? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have. I've had some pretty crazy things happen. And that'll be a story for another day. I've got to save some of them. But another scripture that hits on this, too, is in 2 Corinthians 2. Seems like the Corinthians are getting a dose of this. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. We are to God the aroma of Christ, among those who are being saved and those and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, like men <clears throat> sent from God. Now, it's smell, right? It's like some To some of people, you know, the message is fragrant. It's It's saving. It's, uh, it is, uh, it's the power of God. To others, the very same message, the very same words, the very same scripture is the smell of death. You know, when I was eagerly sinning, I didn't want to be around any Christians because they were, they were the Debbie Downers. They were like, no, we can't do that. I'm like, I want to do that. <clears throat> and so that, that message, it, it smelled to me. You know, it, it's the same message in both sides, but it's the perspective that really uh, makes a difference, um, you know. And so sometimes when you share your faith, when you you try and understand the scriptures, you, you talk to your family, and they, they just go, "Bam!" You know, you just have to realize what it was promised here. That was that was the suffering, and I really like what Lindsay shared in, in her communion. I'm going to share a parallel passage here in uh, here in um, somewhere. <coughs> this. No, that's not it. That is it. But whatever was to my prophet, yeah. <clears throat> so this this passage is whatever it says out of Philippians. Um, but it says, uh, whatever was to my credit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, <clears throat> that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God, and it is by faith, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, some uh, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And the reason I mention what you shared, Lindsay, is in First Peter 12, I think, it talks about a partnership or participation in the suffering well, I thought Mike did a great job talking about koinonia and koinonia and fellowship a few weeks ago. That's the same word. What, what Lindsay shared about that participation in the yep. sufferings, and what I'm sharing here, right here, in the fellowship of sharing in the in his sufferings. That's koinonia. That's that's this partnership. But it's 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 even it's partnership in suffering with Jesus. You know, we like Peter when we decided to say Jesus is Lord, we signed up for this. 
this kononoia, this partnership in his death and suffering, because it's, it's powerful, right? You know, Galatians, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Same thing. Partnership in the sufferings of Jesus. You know, Romans 6 says that we were buried into his death and raised to a newness of life, right? He says that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to righteousness. <laughs> it's this relationship that we got when we decided to follow Jesus. We decided that we were going to be the ones that were going to be lining up to be crucified, to sacrifice our lives. And I, I think I think you guys were saying, you know, it's you get Jesus out of it, right? You know, that's the benefit is, you know, okay, so I lose my life, I get crucified, but I get a I get an eternal life with God. I get that's that is the gospel message. That is the message of the kingdom. Is that it's not just for today, this week, this year, this life. It's for eternal life. But the downside is you have to consider everything rubbish. You can't hang on to it. You know when stuff is rubbish. You ever throw something in the trash can and want to take it back out? Yeah. You know, and, and look at it and go, hmm. It's, yeah, maybe I can't take that out because it's, you know, that cookie I threw in there, it went down in with that other stuff down there and it's not so good. But, so when stuff is really rubbish, it, it, it sticks, it stays. You know, but our good news is that, uh, we just consider all those things besides Jesus as not being, having any value because, like Paul, we want to be able to participate in his death so that somehow we can attain the resurrection from the dead. So closing out here, uh, I have another scripture. It's a long one. We'll read it in a second. I've been watching a few movies. You know, Ralph inspires me. He watches more movies than I will ever be able to watch. And he remembers them all. <coughs> it, you know, incredible. I'm already on the decline. You know, it, whatever, you know, my brain is, you can't hold that much knowledge. <coughs> you know, and, but I, I watched a few that I thought were inspiring recently. And they, they're a little older. I mean, well, I, what was the Mary Poppins remake? Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever, whatever that was yeah, called. <coughs> Um, the new, the new, it may just Mary Poppins, the new one, right? <laughs> or, the, or I've seen a movie that Mike hasn't seen. <laughs> it's an old people movie, <laughs> you know. But, but I also watched on the plane the other day, Christopher Robbins, which was a Winnie the Pooh remake. Sort of, you know, Christopher Robbins has now grown up and and awful, and you know, and has forgotten about Pooh and all those things. <laughs> or, or even I, I watched. I watched Crazy Rich Asians on the plane, and yeah. and, and I was cheap. I was cheap. I didn't want to pay for the seven dollar headphones, so I watched it with subtitles, which is weird. <laughs> Don't do comedies on subtitles to sort of you know lose it. But but in all these movies, I, I consider it's I, I call it generational because it's they're looking back to what they once had, and, and Crazy Rich Asians is a little different. They, they they're trying to get what's outside of the norm, right? You know, this, you know, this is not allowed by their parents, so they're going to do something different, you know, and, uh, and the others are really about, you know, about look at what you had as a kid. Oh, like when you were first converted, like what I was talking about, look at, look at how you thought about Christianity the day you were baptized. And now, you know, it's not too late. It's not too late to restore that come follow me connection with Jesus so, so let's read that. So Hebrews is about that. Hebrews is really a book, I believe, written to um, to uh, uh, priests who are Christians about 30 years or more after the resurrection, maybe even longer than that. I'm not sure exactly. But the writer is challenging. He says, remember those earlier days after you'd received the light when you stood 
your ground in great contests in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. And I think it's, you know, just in wrapping here, I think it's, it's time, I think for me, you know, it's time for me to make a decision. It's time for all of us to make some decisions based on when we read how strong Jesus was about that his desire for us to be connected with him. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't remember that date, like I do, September 25th, 1983, in the evening, about when you decided to be a disciple of Jesus, uh, to put Jesus on as Lord, to seek first his kingdom, then it's really time to go after that, to figure that out. Because, you know, I believe it is as powerful as I've been sharing with the last few minutes. It's time to go and figure that out um, and uh, do like Simon Peter did. Best day of the year. But he dumped his nets and he, le- he left immediately to follow Jesus. That's really the kind of decision that it, it's calling for. You know, I think for us, you know, who have done that already, but still reassessing, am I still willing to do anything? Am I willing to, to go anywhere? Am I willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? You know, am I willing in the morning to, to pick up that cross, knowing that it's a marker that uh, I've joined with the Messiah, that, that we're all off on the way, uh, as Dieter Bonhoeffer said, that we're, we're going to die with Jesus. You know, am I willing to put Jesus in first place by hating, by comparison, everything else in my life? Am I willing to accept and share a message that for some people, guaranteed, when I share the gospel at work in, you know, with the people I come in, some of them, it's going to be the smell of death. And some of it, that's the good side. The good side is it's the fragrance of life to a few. Am I willing to take on that challenge to be able to do what Jesus wants me to do? But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Right.